Welcome back to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. Yeah, more Isaiah on mushrooms or whatever, like hallucinogen <laughs> of choice that he is into. I don't know. It, it was it was referencing other parts of the Bible that we've discussed, and then also referencing maybe things yet to come in maybe a New Testament. Lots of things happened this time around. I hear I hear they might make a new one someday, sort of a reboot. Yeah. <laughs> reboot Testament. <laughs> the exactly. Testament reboot, yeah. Exactly. Maybe something like that will happen. Well, anyways, I I was the one who read Isaiah 10 and are right? Oh no, I read re- Isaiah 9. Yeah, you but did anyways, nine. I did 10. I did 9. Okay, fine. Well, I'm talking about something from your section. Okay. Isaiah 10, verse 9, which talks about, Is not Kaleno, Kaleno as Karkamesh? Isn't oh, right. Hamath as Arpad? Isn't Samaria as Damascus? And we were all like, what in the world is this? <laughs> uh-huh. So they're like confidently boasting, um, but none of these cities and nations against which B had directed his arms had been able to resist him. Wait, I what did you just say? It says <laughs> the meaning English? of this confidence. I, okay, yes, I get you're reading something, but I need you to decode it for us. Like I so need it's you to a, interpret it for us. Yeah. Okay. The meaning of this confidence boasting, confident boasting, is that none of the cities and nations against which B had directed what his arms. What is B? What are you know. talking what about, it? Emily? Maybe they mean he. It says B, but maybe like, he. Like C-E or like the letter B? It says B had directed his arms but, and no, been able to B-E resist him. or the letter B? What's the spelling? B-E. B-E. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think what they mean, yeah, it says all had fallen before him and all alike were prostrate at his feet. So basically just like, God, everything fell at God because of God. <laughs> These typos are God filling like, me with a lot of confidence here. <laughs> God, God fell, and that was it. Um, yeah, Carchemish. So this first one had been unable to resist him, and Kalino had shared the same fate. Okay, so Carchemish was a city on the Euphrates belonging to Assyria. It was taken by Necho and E C H O. Yes. King of Egypt, yeah, and retaken by Nebuchadnezzar in the fourth year of Jed- or Jehodakan, king of Judah, in 2 Kings 23-29. So we have heard of this. Probably it's the same city as Kirkamusa or Kirkaisha, which is situated in the angle formulated by the junction of the Chebar and the Euphrates. So oh, that's that. it's just a place, and it was taken. And then Hamath, Hamath is a celebrated city of Syria. Uh, it's referred to in Genesis, wow, way back in the day, 1018, as the seat of one of the tribes of Canaan. It's often mentioned as the northern limit of Canaan. So it was in Numbers, Joshua, and Judges. The Assyrians became masters of the city about 753 years before Christ in Kings 2, or the return of the king, <laughs> 1724. Okay, so this is another town. Arpad, the city was not far from Hamath, and it's called uh, by the Greeks Eur- or Ephania 
Ephania in Second Kings again. Samaria is the capital of Israel, or Ephraim. From the mention of this place, it is evident that the prophecy was written after Samaria had been destroyed. Uh. Interesting. Okay. And then Damascus huh. is the capital of Syria. So Samaria is the capital of Israel, and Damascus is the capital of Syria. So more, this happens in Isaiah as well. And, and yeah, and those were the kingdoms who were either threatening or who had already taken over parts of where the Hebrews lived. Because like, like you said, Emily, at this point, Israel had been conquered just recently, like during yes. the previous king's reign, probably during Isaiah's life, Isaiah or uh, Israel had been captured, which you said was, what was the name of that capital city again? Uh, Damascus. Oh, no, no wait. Sorry. Samaria. Samaria. Yeah. Right. Samaria was the capital of Israel. Yeah. Right. And then and Damascus. Isaiah's in Judah, which hasn't been captured yet, but we know will be several kings yes. from now. Exactly. Got it. So okay. we're going to get to that. So yeah. This, so it's kind of about all the kings of these different kingdoms around where he is. Yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. So basically all of these places are going to be captured and everyone's going to be screwed. It's going to be too bad. Yeah. Even though they're bad. boasting, they're boasting at this point, but it's going to fall okay. and it's going to be a rough time. And that's it. Wow. Um, I looked up this whole palm branch and rush. Oh, yeah. Rush thing. What was rush, that? Like band, did I read right? that or did you read that? I, who knows who read it? It's not okay. important. Not important. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the verse again is, therefore Yahweh will cut off from Israel head and tail, palm branch and reed is, I guess, the world English mm. Bible. This, okay, this is the thing. When I Googled this verse, <laughs> it brought up this website called GodTube.com. GodTube. Got, Wait, what? And I what got kind of distracted. I love it. Uh, oh my gosh. I got kind of distracted. So clearly they're trying to be an alternative to YouTube of just all Christian videos. Oh and by Christian That's videos, so it's amazing. just a lot of videos of people singing, you know, a lot of people doing duets and stuff. Okay. Um, okay. Not necessarily Christian, just like clean. It's like clean YouTube. Clean, mm-hmm. clean inspirational YouTube. And their okay. top artists on their site, number one is Reba McIntyre. So maybe oh. that can tell you huh, okay. the demographics of the people who visit nice. the site. R- right. Anyway, for some reason, they also have a list of like translations of this particular verse. So that's what led me to there. But GodTube is not actually that important. What is important is this whole palm branch and rush thing. And so the palm branch referred to, of course, the palm, which does not put out branches until it's very tall. And it is the signifier metaphor for like the nobly born people high in society and the rushes grow in the swamps and the marshes and they they represent the deplorables of society as it were all the low born and the idea being he's gonna he doesn't matter head and tail doesn't Mm. matter doesn't give any poops Got to get rid of them. Not a single one. Wow. Not a single one. That hmm. was the best that I could find. But now we know that God tube is a thing. So <laughs> maybe we'll be able to find some other things on there yeah, for future probably. bonus episodes. Oh, yeah. Good. Could be fun. Good. Uh, so I, to no one's surprise, ended up looking into the Messiah. Whoa, uh, look at there it is. It's funny. As I said, it's my favorite piece of music of all time. Uh, and has consistently been so for the last, I don't know, 15-ish years of my life. 
Um, wow. And what's funny is, so Dedeker and I are at my brother's house for this month. And I, down in where Dedeker's office is now, they have a record collection. And in that record collection are old records of mine that I, oh. you know, gave up or like left back at my mom's house. And I think Josh took them because I didn't have a record player anymore. And one of them is this recording of oh, Handel's so Messiah. Mes- so that one, that Messiah record is yours. As yeah, this out. is actually my record wow. that I got at, a, at like a thrift store or something when I was in college. So, so this well, one, this is not the one we're going to listen to today because this is on vinyl and I don't have a really good way to get that into the computer. But this was a version um, here recorded and it was conducted by Leonard Bernstein conducting the new york Philharmonic. yeah and he made some bold choices at times oh it's actually not my favorite version of the messiah but it's not bad i do like it oh just things like like so the the overture of handel's messiah Mm -hmm. for example uh is normally performed kind of like this It's got this kind of nice, slow, very measured, right? Sure. And it's just kind of setting up the sound of it. And um, when Bernstein did it, he did it like... Quick? Not quite half that speed. No, like even slower. Oh, Because wow. some, some wow. versions will do this much faster. And I think that especially in kind of modern day, this o- overture gets sped up because it's like yeah there's no singing here let's get to the singing uh but his was like really takes its time on this wow on this overture at the beginning anyway Maybe Lenny just freaking loved it just loved it yeah. yeah so this recording that we're going to be listening to a little bit of today is from 1955 this is the london philharmonic orchestra conducted by sir adrian bolt um hmm. and uh supposedly performed on the original instrumentation. And that was the first Handel's Messiah quiz for you two. Oh, boy. Surprise quiz. What? How big do you think the orchestra was that this was originally written for? Probably much smaller than... It's gotta be, like, yeah, 10 people? Uh, Yeah, actually, that's very... That's that's pretty pretty much spot on. Oh, wow. What do you mean pretty much spot on? How can I be pretty much spot on? Either you're spot on or you're not. Well, Um, no, actually, because in Baroque music, things aren't quite so strictly regimented. But this is originally scored for two trumpets, a timpani, two oboes, two violins, a viola, and a basso continuo. Now, the thing about a basso continuo is that that could be... It's kind of this generic term in Baroque music for the instruments that do the bass line, essentially. Okay. And okay. this could be several. It might just be one instrument. So that can kind of vary how many people are involved in that. But with two trumpets, two oboes, two violins, that's six. Plus timpani is seven. Plus viola is eight. Basso continuo, say it's two people. There's your 10 right there. So good job. There you go. So this is something that really I remember in conservatory learning about this actually i think high school is when i learned this but that this piece was written for such a small group which is so different from the way i think most of us encounter handel's messiah which is like the entire london philharmonic or (laughs) new york philharmonic right like this massive orchestra doing this 
with singers who are on microphones because they have mm. to be able to sing over an orchestra. Whereas originally it was actually quite a small little chamber orchestra and, you know, and the singers would have been there. Yeah. So wow. another thing I learned actually just today is that the music part of Handel's Messiah. So the, the libretto, like the lyrics were written by someone else and then Handel wrote the music apparently in 24 days. He just really pounded this thing out. And is that fast? That's very fast. Okay. Yes. To write what? Almost three hours of music. That sounds ridiculously fast. Yeah. <laughs> in 24 wow. days. It's wow. wild. Uh, and something that music historians have noted, though, is it's incredibly impressive of his handwritten score of this whole thing, actually how few mm. mistakes there are wow. for, for being handwritten and being written that quickly compared to other scores and stuff. So anyway, just, you know. That's awesome. Fun trivia. You know, I love that. Heck so yes. the first piece from this that I wanted to play was um, this one called uh, But Who May Abide the Day of His Coming is the title of this track, of this hot track. From the Messiah. Such a track. Okay. And uh, essentially the way that the Messiah is structured is there's lots of different sections. And in each section, there will be multiple little um, parts within it, I guess. And they're each kind of on a theme. So it'll usually be like a soloist sings a little recitative. So okay. kind of not super melodic, more just kind of getting out some exposition. And then it'll usually okay. go into an aria, so more of a full-on song. And then it will go into a chorus number with the whole choir. Okay. So that's kind of the general structure as we go through lots of cycles of that. Uh, and this one here is toward the beginning. And this one is sometimes done as an alto, sometimes done as a bass. Uh, and so in this, we're going to listen to the bass version. And this is the one that I was thinking of when he was talking about Yahweh, like burning everyone up and destroying stuff like and that. And turning fire Goodness. into fire. And turning fire, fire into fire. fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we're going to sing a beautiful <laughs> song about it. Yeah. So it's slow. And then it's going to, the, the beat's going to drop here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My God, Jace, you're such a conservatory student. <laughs> like a refiner's fire right wow and we just keep singing this one word <laughs> really have to write that vibrato yeah yeah we, we, we're not done with the thought yet wait wait still, for still it fire, more fire appearance <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So I did learn in looking this up that apparently this line is actually from a different book of the Bible. It's from Malachi, but oh. very similar. So clearly there's some imagery that's some shared between the profs. You Yahweh know? loves fire eating fire. It's the conclusion I've come to. That. Yes. That was my, well, okay. What is the really popular part of Handel's Messiah? It's hallelujah. That's the most popular part, yes. Oh, okay. 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 
But we haven't gotten to that part in the Bible, actually. Oh, when does that happen? The Gospels, right? Not until the birth of Christ? So, really? interesting story. The Hallelujah Chorus gets its words yeah. from the book of Revelation. Whoa. So, what? Okay. <laughs> so we're That's very much really... not there yet. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but he pulled from all over the Bible, though. Yeah. Apparently. Pulled from all over the Bible with some particular hits uh, that, that he kind of went to more often than others. And I, I should, let me look this up just so that I can speak about it accurately. So Charles Jennings was the one who wrote the words. So he's the one who wrote the libretto. Okay. Also, around this time of kind of earlier opera, this is not an opera, this is an oratorio, uh, which is basically like an opera that's not staged. Okay. Uh, but th at that time, the like headliner was the librettist. And the composer was kind of like the secondary person after that, which is the opposite of how it is today, right? Where we're like Definitely. a musical by Leonard Bernstein with book by whoever else. And we don't care. Yeah, like, right? we don't care. <laughs> it, 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 it used to be the opposite. During this time, like huh. the lyrics were the big deal and the music was kind of the accompaniment to that. When uh, was this written? I don't know when Handel was around. I should, but I don't. So Handel was during the... Baroque period, which is basically like oh, the 1700s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a while this ago. was he contemporary with Bach or was Bach 1600s? Uh, yeah, he was he was kind of a contemporary of Bach. Bach lived from 1685 to 1750. Okay. And Handel, by contrast, wrote this piece in 1741. Okay. And I believe it was kind of one of his earlier ish things. Uh, no, actually, no. Sorry. No, this is later in life. He lived from 19, uh, or sorry, from 1685 to 1759. So actually very much in the same time frame. Okay. Um, but cool. yeah, this, this would have been written like right toward the end of Bach's life. And I guess not that far from the end of Handel's life too. Wow. Well, pretty uh, good thing to go out on. I suppose. Yeah. So the the thing is that in this, there's one particular section of this that's all based on Isaiah nine which we just read oh, today. so that's yeah. that's the one i wanted us to check out here please so let me find this this is in part one scene three number mm. ten <laughs> so this is the people that walketh in darkness okay. so this is kind of about the like dark times that yes. we've been talking about This guy's very hard to understand. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light is the, the line that basically gets said over and over again in what? this. And let's skip ahead a bit. That dwell in the land, that dwell in the land of the shadow. The shadow of death. Shadow of death, okay. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Tickle how to say all those just words. Rough, a rough way of conveying the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is what I was saying where before this we had a little recitative, and then this uh -huh. was the aria, and then it kicks off into this chorus number. 
which you should recognize the first words of this right away because we've talked about it a lot the last couple episodes. So exciting after that bummer of a song before it. (laughs) Unto us, yeah. For unto us a child is born. Yes. Unto us a son is given. All the ladies are singing. These ladies are these tiny boys. Those are ladies. Okay. This is this is actually one of the hits of Handel's Messiah too, besides ah. the Hallelujah chorus, which is the yeah. hit that everyone knows. But this is kind of one of the big numbers that gets, you know, thrown around a lot. It's, it's like on the the album cover, it would be you know featuring singles such as "For Unto Us a Child Is Born." You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Yes! Oh my yep. God! It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Shall be called wonderful, counselor, the mighty God. The listeners at home are not going to get this, but like the look of pure exuberant joy on Jace's face as <laughs> oh, this piece of music is like, it truly is your favorite piece of music. You're not. It's beautiful. You're not bullshitting. Uh, yeah, like the Baroque era is. I think my favorite era of music. Huh. And then this is one of my favorites. This, I mean, there's a lot of good music during the Baroque period. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just fun. It's just good. It's good stuff. It's great. This song also reminds me of in a music theory class. My, in my group, we had to get into groups and essentially do an interpretive dance of a song where each of us is doing a dance with like kind of specific choreography following each of the lines. So like one of us was following the sopranos, one was the altos, one was the tenors and one wow. was the basses doing this. Oh like this, this I had a very woo woo teacher in one year of, or one semester <laughs> of music theory where we each were doing a dance of our like different line that had specific kind of moves that involved what was happening harmonically and did this help me the music theory melodically i think it was kind of about hearing the way that the different lines all work together and then being and able to visualize it, like it and physically that makes sense yeah that's, yeah. that's cool that. and each each group had a different piece i think it might have all been from the messiah or maybe something else but we each had a different thing and so me and some of my composition buddies all did a little nice. interpretive dance to this song love it that's amazing wow so there's a bunch more of this that happens that that quotes from isaiah but we have not gotten to that yet so perhaps in the future we can have a little more messiah for drunk messiah study drunk messiah you know what i would make that i would make that podcast for sure yeah you we know all on your own definitely would would. well you know what's great about it is there's there's 54 pieces in Handel's Messiah like 54 individual pieces of music so you could really do like a year-long podcast where each week you take one of them and like analyze it and talk about the only person to listen to that podcast (laughs) (laughs) no a lot of people would I'm sure all right everyone go to listen go to drunk bible study fans and fellowship let us know if you would listen to (laughs) drunk messiah study it's only one year it'd be like a limited run (sighs) 
one year yeah. long show. Let us know if you would listen to that. Maybe it could get <laughs> supplemented with Drunk Recorder Study, which we talked about a few weeks ago. <laughs> that would be less exciting to listen to. <laughs> I I think. I mean, the yeah. recorder was big during this period of music too. So oh, that's true. Makes sense. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody so much for joining us for this bonus episode, and we will see you around the Facebook group, and we will see you next week. <laughs>